Welcome to another episode of the Alter Your Health Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. If this is your first time listening, hello and welcome. We value your time and energy and hope you receive a lot from tuning in. As a listener-supported show, we rely on you to help us grow. We'd be so grateful if you share the show or a favorite episode with a friend or fellow health seeker. Living a healthy and nourishing life doesn't always come easily, especially in today's crazy world. But that's why we're here, doing what we love, hopefully helping you along with information and inspiration that fuels your health pursuits. If you're looking for more support, consider subscribing to the monthly Meal Guide membership. Just $11 per month gets you access to a weekly meal guide filled with healing and delicious whole food plant-based recipes, along with invitations to our regularly scheduled support calls where we can connect, answer questions, and keep the good vibes flowing in our healthy lives. You can learn more at www.alter.health slash meal dash guides. And if you're looking for more in-depth support, check out our other services. We offer both one-on-one consulting as well as educational programs. All of our current offerings are listed at www.alter.health. Our ultimate goal is to empower you to heal yourself. Keeping with that theme, let's dive into today's show. Happy Wisdom Wednesday, even though it's Thursday. Welcome to another Wisdom Wednesday episode of the Alter Your Health Podcast. I'm Dr. Ben. And I'm Dr. Susanna. And we are both naturopathic doctors who empower you to heal yourself through your whole food, plant-based nutrition, as well as your mindset and understanding how the brain-body connection empowers you in your health. Today, I thought it would be cool to talk about mindfulness because I think... Well, I know that I hear this uh, term, this idea. I mean, it's it's not new, right? This idea of mindfulness and cultivating mindfulness and engaging in mindfulness practices, being more mindful. I wanted to kind of uh, unpack and explore this idea and uh, address the the notion of mindfulness as a practice as opposed to what I see, you know, cutting right to the chase here, I suppose, is that mindfulness is kind of synonymous with health. It's just the natural byproduct of living aligned with nature, fueling ourselves properly, properly. Of course, physical health is the consequence of, you know, fueling our body physically and being aligned with nature in all those sorts of ways. Mindfulness or peace or that clear state of mind is just the natural consequence of uh, understanding who we are and uh, who we're not. And uh, from my perspective, it's not a practice, but our natural state and remembering who we are, I guess we can create it into a practice, but we don't need to. So anyways, that's that's what I wanted to explore here today with you, Dr. Susanna. What are your thoughts? Well, yeah, and just to kind of clarify, so really what you're wanting to explore is the difference between mindset practices, something, for example, like um, sitting down and meditating or sitting down and um, doing gratitude practices or maybe we could put yoga into this category or you can put a lot of things into this category. Well, I think that that's the whole idea is that, mm-hmm. um, you know, walking, journaling, uh, gardening, cooking, eating, like there, like there's, there's this idea that we create these mindful, we engage in life in a mindful sort of way. Right. Right. So, so, you know, setting aside time to do mindfulness practices versus 
moving through life on a day-to-day basis from a mindful place. Yeah. Okay. Yes. I mean, and you know, it's interesting because actually I just, I just um, went to probably the first yoga class I've been to in maybe two years this morning. And when you brought up this topic today, I thought, oh, that is so interesting because I always remember hearing from so many yoga teachers and I love it. I love what they're saying, which is that, you know, yes, we can all like show up on the mat, roll out the mat and be here now for these like 60 minutes. Or I mean, <laughs> well, OK, so you're asking me what that means. Well, I don't know. It's just, you know, uh, I guess a rhetorical question. Yeah. Like, what does it mean to be mindful in the world. Do we, and I guess the, the question, which is the title of the episode, do we need to do anything? Do we need to practice anything? Do we need to work on anything in order to be more mindful? And I guess the argument or the hypothesis that I'm bringing to the table here is that it's not so much of a doing of anything as it is an undoing of lots of things. Um, and the undoing is undoing of the, the, the programming or the conditioning or this like uh, living in the delusional reality that we are our thoughts. We are our ego. We are, you know, wrapped up in our story and our narrative. And having that understanding of our true nature, being the observer of our life, but not the active, like engaged, immersed participant but we're, we're both. Um, I personally don't feel as though there is a required practice to cultivate or experience that reality. I believe in my experience, that's natural and innate. Um, the way that I like to feel it and put it and speak it is that there's this awakening presence that's like, you know, moving through us all. And I, and I would, you know, equate it to the healing potential that is also present with us all moving our bodies into balance. Um, the same or a similar force is moving us into awakening and awareness, deepening in our understanding of our true nature at any in every moment. And we don't need to sit down or stand up or walk this way or chant this mantra or engage in this practice to experience that. We can just be in life and be aware of that presence moving through us and identify and attune more to that as opposed to, again, our kind of story Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's not to say that it's, there's anything wrong with having a mindfulness practice that's carved out of your day. Yeah. But, you know, I really love the, you brought up this great kind of metaphor. Yeah. As we were kind of, before we were sitting down, I was, I was kind of a, a describing or, or comparing like mindfulness as a practice to exercise as a practice of creating fitness, Mm -hmm. you know, fitness, physical fitness and physique and strength doesn't, doesn't have to come from an exercise routine or a gym membership. We can just move about our lives and have an active lifestyle, move our bodies in ways that we enjoy and 
experience physical fitness. The same goes for mindfulness. We don't have to subscribe to the Calm app or the Insight Timer or any sort of uh, yoga journal or podcast or you know you know yoga class subscription or anything like that uh, to quote unquote cultivate more mindfulness. Uh, mindfulness just comes from being in life with an understanding of who we truly are. And, um, you know, which is, of course, one could say a practice, a continual perpetual practice, remembering, remembering, and remembering again, as we forget and forget and forget again, our true nature. Um, you know, we, we, we don't need to do anything, mm -hmm. even though I think the hard thing is we're told by in so many ways, society at large is telling us, or I at least experience or, or witness that this there's this narrative that we do need to do these mindfulness practices. We do need to work on ourselves. We do need to um, do any number of things, you know, fill in the blank in order to be more peaceful. Yeah. Well, with this metaphor, you know, really got me thinking about how sometimes you do see that if people do start like an exercise regimen or routine or they start going to like a specific class where they're 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 moving a lot, you know, it's like they get all their movement done in 30 minutes or an, or an hour and the rest of the day they're like sedentary. Right. That's that's kind of a common thing in our society here. Um, you could say, oh, does that same thing happen if someone sits in meditation for 30 minutes and then the rest of the day they're kind of not mindful? But I think that one benefit, you know, I, ju I just want to like acknowledge the benefits of these practices mm -hmm. is that like I know from my experience when I started I guess I've always been kind of an active person, but I see I see a lot of people who might start up being more active by having a structured class. And then through getting used to like how good it feels to have that movement, they start naturally being more active throughout the rest of their day. Oh. And so I think that the, the same could be said with a specific structured mindfulness practice kind of opens them up to seeing how they can be this way in the rest of the day. So there's yeah. certainly a benefit, but I hear also really what you're saying, Ben, is that we don't need it. We don't need it. And, and what's coming up for me is actually, I'm really remembering that when you and I started dating, you had a very kind of aggressive, <laughs> aggressive or, or rigid, or I should say disciplined uh, meditation practice where it was almost like you needed it and you like depended on it. Yeah. And, and I remember you actually made the conscious decision to let go of the practice mm -hmm. to, do you want to, do you want to share the story the experience? Sure. I'd like to first comment on something that you brought up that brought up something in me, mm -hmm. which is the, the distinction between the intrinsic versus the extrinsic motivation mm. and inspiration and you were talking about exercise sometimes when people are getting into exercise a little bit of extrinsic motivation is helpful and then it becomes intrinsic mm. then it's like oh it feels really good to move my body the way it was designed to move and translating that same phenomenon to mindfulness a lot of people don't 
know how good it feels to be peaceful <laughs> because stress has become kind of a default state. And I think a lot of people have become, you know, addicted, addicted to the physiologic stress response and the drama of life. Um, so engaging, you know, having a little bit of extrinsic motivation, you know, the, the insight timer, whatever meditation app or class or, or whatever to kind of like nudge someone into that. And then it's like, oh, being present, being mindful feels good. It's just common sense. And that's, of course, not to say that we're going to spend 100% of our waking moments in a quote unquote state of mindfulness, whatever the heck that would look like. Um, but it's it just becomes like a common sense thing where we always like to, you know, connect with that intrinsic motivation, because really what that means is we are free. We're free from our self criticism. We're free from our judgment. We're free from our willpower and the forcing that we might otherwise do to motivate ourselves, you know, outwardly and judge ourselves and think that we need to do something better or more or whatever. And we're just connected with that flow of intrinsic inspiration that moves us in accordance with, with what's in our highest good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then speak, speak to your experience with letting go meditation. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> It's, it's funny because I like, you know, loved meditating and felt great meditating and, and kind of had like a sense of pride for my meditation practice. And, and, um, and I, I loved that, that time that I would create for myself. And still I felt like, you know, on edge and just kind of, uh, irritable or, or, you know, n- just not as peaceful as I wanted to be. And I'm curious, how was your day if you like didn't, if, if like your meditation got like disrupted or like you had to get up early to catch a plane and you couldn't do your meditation? Or that something? honestly never happened oh. because, it, like, <laughs> you know, I, I uh, even while I was in yoga teacher training, you know, and we'd have our 6 a.m. or like a 6 a.m. yoga class every single day. I'd wake up at five and do my yoga before my yoga, before my full day of yoga teacher training, like yoga and, you know, just, I was, like you said, very disciplined. Um, but I was also, again, like I said, not so peaceful, largely due to the fact that I had a lot of, you know, self negative self-talk and judgment and rigid thinking and criticism, you know, self-criticism that, Meditation no. was trying to fix. <laughs> I, w- I wasn't even aware of that being the case. Mm. But I think the fact is that no amount of meditation could have fixed that. That's not something that is fixable in any other way through than other than just having that insight of those of that negative self-talk. And, you know, then, of course, insight of thoughts and thinking and the perception at large that we as human beings create. And being able to kind of like unplug from that, separate from that, see that for what it is, but also see it for what it's not. And just be more aware of the truth of who I am, which is not that, not that. Mm. And, um, you know, I guess what, what also helped me kind of sustain my, uh, disconnected relationship with mindfulness practices and meditation. Um, not 
that they're bad or wrong or, you know, but, but I, I, I don't feel like I need them, which is a, which to me is freedom. I don't feel like I need them just the same way. I don't feel like the, like I need a gym to be strong. Right. I, um, but I want to interject Yeah. by like saying that sometimes you do feel intrinsically inspired to sit down and meditate. I've seen you do it a few times in the last year, <laughs> but it's not, it's not coming from this place of like, well, I need to do this because I'm a person who meditates and I'm going to beat myself up if I don't meditate today. Right. It so, comes from this intrinsic place of I want to. It, yeah. It come, generally comes from a place of feeling overstimulated and I want to disconnect with that stimulation. Mm -hmm. um, but um, yeah. I interrupted you. I don't know where the heck I was going. Oh, shoot. I'm sorry. No, it, it's okay. I think I was going <laughs> going nowhere fast. Uh, but in any event, you know, I, th I think that the, the moral of that story is that like, I, I, you know, one thing that came out of my mouth that I think I'm, I'm glad that I said is that no amount of meditation or any sort of practice was going to create um, the self-compassion and self-love that I already am. <laughs> you know, it's like the awareness of, um, I guess what I'm trying to say is like the, the path to self-love and enlightenment or like awakening and whatever, I think is a big scam and a big delusion the fact is that we already are. We already are in our essence, perfect, whole, complete, self-compassionate, loving, amazing beings. And our thinking, our judgments, our desire to be better, which is just perfectly imperfectly part of the human experience, that is not going anywhere. And we can be human we can be judgmental. We can have these judgmental thinking thoughts and thought storms and upsets and discontent and just grudges and all the, 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 the ickiness that comes with comes part of as, as part of the human experience. We can have all of that. And also at the very same time, uh, identify with what's beyond that. Mm -hmm. What's the place that, from which that experience arises along with all the positive experiences along with everything between it all arises from our true nature which is beyond our human experience so i don't know just more blah blah blahs about how mindfulness as a practice or no practice at least in my experience led to any sort of you know led me very far and that discovery is just it's because it's already there it's already who mm -hmm. i am yeah yeah that doesn't well, make any sense does it well <laughs> i think i'd like to just share a little bit as well yeah because i used to be a, a big practice person lots of practices and certainly a lot of my practices came from a place of wanting to improve myself um but now i i relate to you in the sense that i feel very free that I don't have to do any practice to be a better person or anything like that. And I really relate to everything that you've said about just how wonderful and free it is to just move through the day with the mindfulness. And I guess what that means to me when we were using this word and it's like, well, what does that mean? It's like remembering having the awareness of where the human experience is coming from 
that it comes from our thoughts, that we are not our thoughts. And as Eckhart Tolle says, like remembering that we're the soul, identifying with the soul and not identifying with our thoughts. And of course, we're not going to remember that in every single moment of every single day. But having that kind of thread behind behind everything in the day, even if we're not like consciously mindful of it in that moment, is a really, I feel like a very free place to be living from. Um, but it's interesting because I feel like in this conversation, what's come up for me is like, well, yeah, that sounds great and everything. But for example, it's like before you had that insight, Ben, or before I had the insight of like, oh, I don't have to fix myself. And and we are, we are um, perfect. We are, uh, you know, at our core, we are peaceful mm -hmm. and we don't have to fix ourselves. Like before having that insight, how do you like, quote unquote, get there? Like, what do you do to like get there? And, and really what you've been saying is you don't have to do anything. You don't have to sit in meditation. You don't have to do this. You don't have to do that. But I think it, it could be, you know, like someone listening to this conversation could still be like, well, yeah, but like, I don't feel like how you feel, Ben. How do, what do I do to feel like that? And, um, stop judging yourself <laughs> stop wanting to stop wanting things to be different <laughs> that very that that very statement that very desire even though it's purely like coming from a place of wanting to feel good and it's genuine that very desire is creating more separation from true nature yeah it really it really comes to um understanding understanding the truth of who we are and as i said before what creates the human yeah. experience so i mean i think what what it is what it is that the journey if you will as has been said thousands of times by you know brilliant you know wise souls is like the journey from the intellectual understanding you know the understanding that comes from these conversations the understanding that comes from reading and listening and our our human thoughts like that intellectual understanding that's one step into the journey and then the next step into the journey is the embodiment of that and the actualization of that on a deeper level which you know i, I think it's like two step it's like one step two step but the second step the embodiment step is perpetually deepening and expanding and it's like you know oh, yeah but um but, uh, you know, I think a, a lot of people do get stuck in the intellect um, and then their intellect tries to get them out of their intellect. When, in fact, the way to get out of the intellect and transcend into that second step, I don't know why I'm using one and two, but the second step is not through more intellect. It's not through more thinking. It's through more being which of course isn't anything that is really we're able to, you know, talk to because when we're talking and communicating, all we're doing is living in intellect land. And I guess now that I'm talking it out more, I'm having the experience and insight that that's why practices where you're quiet, where you're still, where you're observing, where you're observing is essentially it's identifying more with our embodiment process more with our soul process and less with the intellectual thing um that's that's why like um 
you know, reading, like, like listening to, to music and stuff is a very different experience than reading a book or listening to an audiobook. Because listening to an audiobook, we're going to be listening and grasping the words and turning on our intellect when we're listening to sound healing, like meditations or something like that. We're allowing our intellect to kind of like, you know, get out of the way so that we can more directly move into the embodiment phase. <laughs> I feel like we could talk uh, on and on about this sort of stuff, but any last parting words, Dr. Susanna? I don't think so. <laughs> I guess at this point, we're just going to be and maybe encourage you to do the same or to be the same. No doing. Uh, but on that note, if you would look, if you would like to be in the energy of more um, conversation around minds, thought, consciousness, and our human nature and divine nature, you can join us in weekly Peace on Earth calls that happen every week on Zoom. And you can find out more at www.alter.health and the Peace on Earth page will get you all, all you need to know. It's on a sliding scale, so you can kind of jump in that any number of um, investments that work for you. And uh, yeah, we'll look forward to seeing you guys next time. Yep. Bye for now. We hope you enjoy your weekend. <laughs>